You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. Joining me, as always, on a Monday is Chris, Christopher Johnson. If you guys didn't know, how are you doing today, Chris? Oh, I'm good. How are you doing? You had a good weekend? Uh, it wasn't too bad, so, uh, you know, it, it goes by too soon. But uh, <laughs> I hear that. But we're, we're back to some more 49ers news because it was kind of quiet for a second. It so, was. You know, now, now we got some news rolling in. Uh, the latest actually happened about 30 minutes ago, if that. Uh, the 49ers signed a new offensive lineman, uh, a versatile one at that, former Bills, former Giant, John Feliciano, to a one-year deal. And a lot of people are saying, is this the new Daniel Brunskill for this offensive line? I mean, last season he played center for the the Giants previous to that. I mean, it looks like he's pretty much played every <laughs> everything on the line at some point in his career. So definitely a versatile option for the 49ers. What do you think about this signing? Do you think this is uh, the replacement for Brunskill? Yeah, early returns look really, really good on the guy. I mean, um, you know, I'm seeing like, a lot of positivity so far. To your point, a little while ago when we were chatting offline, um, didn't get a chance to dig into him too much yet, but I mean, given his versatility, and that seems to be like the uh, the the method or the mode right now happening with the Niners, like the positionless value. I mean, the positionless uh, players that to, to provide that additional value. Um, that's why I'm that's why I'm um, kind of perceiving, you know, having a lot of experience at guard and center. It's interesting. It's just a one year deal. Um, you know, kind of right. like maybe a prove it situation see what he can provide. I mean, for all we know, he may not even, even stick, right? But that being said, I do get that impression that uh, maybe he's uh, coming in that swing swing tackle kind of uh, position or role. Uh, I'll be interested to know when, you know, he gets a, you know, maybe he has a presser or there's some sort of like a, a Twitter interview or something like that that a beat writer does with him to kind of get an idea for what, you know, he, he sees his, um, his role being with the squad. Yeah, I mean, and as far as the one-year deal goes, I wonder if, like, he is 31 years old, so I, I don't know if that played into the one-year deal, and maybe, you know, if he does stick, right, if he, if they like what they see in him this one year, you know, maybe they'll follow up with another one-year deal after that. I'm not sure, but, yeah, 31 years old, veteran. Like I said, he's played several positions. Um, I believe the only position he has not played is right tackle, so he's not coming in to, to start at right tackle, but definitely will have a chance to compete. And I think, you know, this is probably going to be depth for the most part. You know, as soon as this news came out, it was like, oh, the 49ers signed another center. Uh, well, why would they do that? I, it, I don't think they're looking at him as being the center that they're going to start, right? I mean, also I've heard that, you know, him as a center – Giants fans weren't that uh, big a fan of. But, you know, again, if this is a depth signing, I think it's good. It offers that uh, positional versatility, which they look for, especially in those depth signings that they bring in. So I think this is a good deal for the 49ers. And, uh, you know, I I still would expect to see uh, Jake Brendel starting at center. But 
you know, it'll be interesting to see how this kind of shakes out. Yeah, I agree with you. And and honestly, like I'm really, you know, we the the, the big names may have been kind of dissipating, you know, as free agency has kind of carried on here, especially over the weekend. I mean, not just with the Niners, but league wide, I feel as though it was kind of quiet, if you will, the last couple mm, of days. It was. I mean, that that early tampering period was popping off. And then after that, <clears throat> it kind of went to a sales pace and there was some news here, sporadic here and there yesterday and today. But um, that being said, I'm really liking what the Niners are doing in regard to um, bolstering, you know, the the positions, you know, that that uh, they've identified that they want more depth at, um, opportunities for guys to come in, particular, um, uh, possibly have uh, experience at different roles and such. And really, what I'm I'm seeing the Niners doing is really gearing up for just good, you know, training camp battles. You know, um, the cream will rise to the top. You know, others will be um uh depth and then obviously you know whoever can't stick will either go to the practice squad or have to get released because you don't have 53 so i'm really liking what's happening in regard to just fortifying on um, various positions um and really what i'm seeing that is that they're really gearing up for some good competitions come training camp yeah and i also think addressing some of these positions with depth you know probably means that for example right tackle hasn't been addressed a good opportunity for the 49ers to trade up now, because again, we keep talking about the fact they're not going to need 11 picks. That is more true every time they make these depth signings. Um, So I don't know. I I feel like they might trade up for a right tackle, but uh, Ferguson in the comments said Burford can play right tackle also, which can maybe have, uh, you know, Feliciano move over to, uh, play guard david lombardi was literally just asked this um on twitter to, that, yeah. to, mm-hmm. to which he said no <laughs> and remember guys he's he's never been wrong <laughs> he just said uh no they are fortifying depth on the interior so i i don't expect with that that um you know they're looking to move guys around honestly who they had as the starters last season were perfectly fine aside from of course Mike McGlinchey who you know is no longer here right so um aside from that I think they would like to keep most everything else the same on the offensive line if they can help it uh that seems to be you know the sense that I'm getting but I I agree with you Chris like I'm I'm liking some of these moves these depth signings it's not like super exciting but as we know Depth is very important in this league, especially when you're a team who, you know, wants to get to the Super Bowl, as we know the 49ers do. Having depth, having guys who can step in when someone gets hurt, that's really important. And another guy who they brought in um, was a defensive back, Miles Hartsfield, and he was someone who played on the Panthers. So there we go. Steve Wilkes, once again, making his presence felt here in uh, San Francisco, right? So he was a undrafted free agent back in 2020. He's just 25 years old, Um, but he has, once again, that positional versatility. He could play slot corner and he could play safety. So those are the, some of the things that for me, it's very clear, especially on the secondary. That's something that they really want to emphasize is having guys who can you know, play multiple positions. That's really important for depth because if one guy gets hurt, you want to have a guy or two who can potentially fill in that spot, you know? So I think it makes plenty of sense. Also Hartsfield, someone who can play a special team. So I think that's going to help him, you know, when it comes down to the cut to 53, 
um, you know, having that versatility plus the ability to play special teams will definitely help him out. So I see him making the 53 at this point. And because he's so young, I feel like this is a, a signing with uh, low risk, potentially high reward, right? Because clearly Steve Wilkes, you know, picked this guy out of the Panthers free agents as someone who they can bring in here and potentially continue to develop. Or like I said, maybe he's only seen as depth, but even then someone who Steve Wilkes feels strong enough about. I'm with you. I totally agree. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen some reports already that this was kind of a Steve Wilkes um, signing um, that he kind of, uh, you know, uh, gave his, his uh, approval or his, uh, you know, blessing, I guess you can say that, you know, his advocacy um, for going after um, the player and, uh, you know, having been in his system before, you know, we already know that when, you know, teams, you know, change coaches, especially head coaches, but even, you know, coordinators for that matter, they like to bring guys with them or have guys in the room um, that can speak to the scheme, speak to, you know, what to expect, just kind of like with uh, just how how the new, the new and the nuance that's being brought by that new coach. So I'm excited about that. I think that, you know, with this signing as well as what we were kind of saying before, you know, I don't really feel as though there's a lot of glaring holes. I don't know if there's any really, you know, for that matter. I mean, on both sides of the ball, we could probably pencil in, you know, a starting 11 for offense and defense. That's probably not going to change barring injury, which I don't ever want to, you know, of course, you know, uh, think about, but that's probably not really going to change much. So, you know, seeing these signings and then knowing that we have the draft, regardless if we're going to use 11 picks, which is not going to happen or, or eight or seven or whatever the case, you know, really being able to fortify and then even look to the future, which I know we're going to have some draft conversations as the summer goes on. Um, but um, I'm really liking it. I'm really liking it a lot. I think it it kind of bodes the question. Like, I'm curious as to what you think about this. So with the two, you know, recent defensive back signings, like I'm curious what that means for Ambry Thomas. Like, what do you, what do you think about that? You think it's a, you think it's a, a competition, you know, they're bringing in competition, just trying to do what they can to, you know, get the best out of everybody or, or you, you potentially foresee him kind of uh, moving on. Um, yeah. I mean, Ambry Thomas, I, from what I've seen of him and, you know, I was at, at training camp last year yep he did not look like someone who was ready to start. I don't think the 49ers feel like he's someone who's ready to start either. Um, and I think this move kind of tells you that, right? Because, right. you know, if, if they felt that strongly about him, they, they probably wouldn't be bringing in more people, although they need depth regardless. Right. But sure. You know, I, I, I don't see him as being one of those guys. It, in fact, I'm kind of wondering, we'll see, you know, it's, it's early. We'll see how he looks in OTAs and, and training camp this season. But um, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if he'll even make the 53 to be yeah. quite honest with you. So yeah, <laughs> that yeah. that's my I'm thought. And especially, well. especially because Steve Wilkes, I mean, you, you can tell that Steve Wilkes is kind of, you know, making some of these moves uh, in the secondary, especially, I'm kind of feeling like he has a vision for for what he wants to do with the secondary. And this is something the 49ers haven't really had in a defensive coordinator in the Shanahan Lynch era, right? They, you know, you think about Robert Sala, linebackers background. Think about D'Amico, linebackers background. Chris Kosarik, 
kind of, you know, he has the defensive line on lock. We don't have to worry about that, right? But it's always been like the secondary. You can, you know, it has always kind of been the thing that hasn't quite clicked or been as good as it could be compared to the other spots. Um, think about defensive line. You think about Fred Warner and those linebackers. You know what I mean? Like, yep. it's always been the secondary that just hasn't been at, you know, quite on par with the rest of the defense. That being said, I feel that's why I love the signing or, you know, bringing in Steve Wilkes so much because now they have that finally. And, and I think that's going to allow this defense to take a bit of an extra step and, you know, he's going to be able to, you know, leave, leave his, uh, his blueprint or, or, or whatever on, on the defense, on the secondary. So I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm already kind of seeing some of that, take shape yeah I'd agree with you and you know one of the things I've always learned growing up is you know you're going to make mistakes you just don't want to you know repeat them or uh you know you, you definitely want to learn from them right to try to avoid that again and I'm I'm getting to a place to where I'm becoming pleased and satisfied with how the team is fortifying itself against injury right like I personally love Jason Verrett you know I just wish that you know his career had gone differently and, you know, everyone under the sun was saying going into that 2021 season that we probably need to fortify, you know, the the um, defensive back room a little bit more. Um, and then, of course, you know, Jason Verrett tears his ACL the first game of the season. And then we had to kind of like, you know, work our way through that circumstance. Right. So um, I'm really I, I'm, I'm getting the impression that the team has learned has learned from that. Um might be somewhat, you know, scarred from that, if you will, not just Jason Verrett, but other injuries at other positions for that matter. And that's what I'm kind of seeing with some of these signings as it relates to the positionless value, as well as, you know, players that you're familiar with from the Steve Wilkes standpoint and just fortifying the depth. So, you know, there's going to be more. Yeah. There's going to be more. I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure where the count is. I think they're like at 65 or something, maybe somewhere around there. So they're definitely going to pick up. Yeah, they're definitely going to pick up some more signings as well in addition to the draft. So I'm really excited to see what all shakes out. And to me, like, this is kind of the the time that the 49ers kind of enjoy almost because I feel like those depth signings, those value signings, that's kind of for a team that's as stacked as the 49ers, those those small signings, quote unquote, um, those are the ones that are going to make it a difference down the stretch, you know what I mean? Because at some point, some of these guys are going to have an opportunity to start, whether that be because of injury or, you know, other reasons. Um, and so this is kind of where you, you stake your claim and, and where the 49ers can really, um, you know, show that they're a good team, not just on top, the top level, but also uh, down and in, in, in their depth. So um, I'm liking the signings. Some of the guys they've brought back, I mean, Ross Dwelly as well, uh, tight end, now six years with the team now. It's a one-year deal for him. Seems like they're bringing back a lot of guys on just one-year deals. Uh, T.Y. McGill as well from the defensive line. I have been a fan of his. Uh, Linebacker Flanagan Fowles. Now, Flanagan Fowles is the interesting one because they had the option to – um tender him and and they decided not to so for what like a day or two he was a free agent but i think the intention was always to get him back on a one-year deal however by 
not tendering him and doing it, you know, as a free agent, they Save paid him like less. Grand or so, yeah. Yeah, they, they mm-hmm. paid him a little bit less. So it worked out for them. I mean, and that's what I'm saying. Like these signings, not not big. It's not gonna, you know, it feels like it doesn't move the needle a whole lot, but you know, as far as depth goes, as value goes, um, you know, I think these are all great signings for the team. And I totally expect that there will be more now. I know it hurts a little bit because we've been seeing a lot of guys leave the 49ers as well. I mean, uh, just today we saw Jordan Willis uh, get signed by the Raiders. That was a guy who I was really thinking and hoping would come back, uh, you know, also on a one-year deal maybe, but he got swooped. Hassan Ridgeway, Maurice Hurst, you know, there's a number of guys, especially on the defensive line, who – you know, have, are, have not come back and, and they've gone to another team. So what do you think about that? I mean, the, this give and take of free agency, uh, is there any guy that has left that you've just been, you know, kind of gutted about? I was kind of gutted about Manuel Mosley. I, um, I really yeah. thought that we'd be able to have him come back on a, on a deal that was, you know, good for both sides. Um, okay. And I was kind of surprised that the $6 million didn't, um, you know, wasn't something that the Niners were wanting to match. Uh, I did see reports from the squad, from the from the um, team saying that, like, they wanted to at least, as it relates to Manuel Mosley in particular, um, have the opportunity to match whatever deal he got out there. So mm-hmm. I guess they were trying to give him less than that, but that was tough. It was definitely tough seeing Jordan Willis go today um, because, you know, not that Jordan Willis, like, you know, a seven or eight sack producing guy every year and like, you know, 20 tackles for loss, you know, just, you know, after his PED suspension, you know, coming back and just being a, a silent, you know, you know, silent, but deadly kind of player, you know, he didn't have the, you know, biggest, most boisterous presence, but he he did what he had to do. Um, you know, people respected him. He was a good team player. You will never forget him in his two big, big plays in that, um, Packers game where he opened up the hole for Jimmy uh, Ward to get that block of that field goal. And then, of course, he blocked that punt. So, I mean, that's legendary stuff right there. You know, Niner fans of this generation are always going to remember Jordan Willis, at least for those things. So, um, so those are the two thoughts about that. I I do have some other thoughts about Dwelly and um, DFF, right? So, I was actually kind of surprised. I was curious as to see, you know, Dwelly get re-signed, at least at this point. Um Simply because, no, I, I don't know if I should say at this point, but I got the impression that he kind of got phased out of the of the game plan a lot of times last year. I wasn't sure what that was about. You know, you know, it's always weird. You know, not knowing kind of the inner workings as to why players are getting more more run versus others or whatever. But I'm glad that he came back. I hope they were they're able to um, utilize him more um, in the passing game. Um, I think DFF was a good signing to your point as well. I agree with all your points. I think that he's also got a strong presence on special teams, which I think is awesome. Um, so, and, you know, and special teams took a step this year, right? So, you know, I think that was important to bring him back for that purpose as well. Um, but what did you think about Dwelly? Were you, were, did you anticipate Dwelly coming back or um, are you looking to have, looking for him to have like a larger role in the offense? What, what are your thoughts there? I was also surprised. Um, 
But at the same time, you know, I feel like this happens almost every year where there's like a, a free agent that you're really not expecting to be back, but they have no market. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's true. Well, you're familiar with our system for for him. Like, I know that he can block. So the 49ers trust him in that regard. And, and they always appreciate that from a tight end. Right. So I think that was part of the reason that they you know, decided to bring him back. We, I don't think we have the numbers on that deal quite yet. We just know that it's a one-year deal because that I think got reported today. So we're still waiting on that, but I I would assume it's a, it's a team friendly deal. You know what I mean? And now, so the 49ers have Kittle, they have Charlie Warner and they have Ross Dwelly. And I don't expect the 49ers to be done at tight end. I mean, I think they're still going to draft a tight end, and I would expect relatively early, maybe with one of their third round picks, to be honest with you, I'd say between third and fifth round, they're going to target a tight end. And, you know, though they may target another free agent, they may, um, you know, bring an undrafted free agent tight end too. And, and then at that point you have five guys and you can have them, you know, compete on the totem pole after, you know, George Kittle, right? Because he's clearly the, the tight end one. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not opposed to it. I was a little surprised, yes, but I, I could totally understand it from the team standpoint. I mean, just to bring in someone that they're familiar with, someone they trust in, in terms of blocking and all that. So um, I, I get it. Um, Ferguson here says, Mayoko Wall Dwelly, the offense's version of Dante Johnson <laughs> never leaving. Oh, man, wouldn't that be something? Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't hate it. I mean, you know, these are the signings that you know, people, like, you know, maybe question, but at the same time, it's like, this guy's never going to start, so why are we getting, like, you know, worked up about the sign? It's depth, you know what I mean? So at the end of the day, uh, depth is never a bad thing, and, and Dwelly certainly – they could do worse, right? Than than Ross Dwelly as a depth, uh, depth and tight end. So, um, yeah, it, it's fine. We got a question about Flanagan fouls. Uh, Ferguson mentions the fact that he played safety in college. Do you think we draft a linebacker early or hope for similar success in late rounds or in drafted free agents to fill that third linebacker spot? Well, for well, one, well, real quick, well, what's yeah. the what's it looking like right now? We have Marcino Ball. There's yep. obviously Warner, uh, uh, Dre, Greenlaw, uh, Flanagan Fowles, Oren Burks. Yeah. So so they have options. I mean, they have options. I feel like they'd be comfortable with those guys like duking it out for that third spot. Um, now, I do think they can also draft someone or bring in an undrafted. They always like to like develop guys. You know, you think about how Flanagan Fowles started. You think about Aziz, you know guys they developed they always like to have a guy that's kind of waiting in the wings for this exact moment you know when a guy like Aziz leaves for free agency so um you know I I think they might draft one in the later round potentially but they might also just bring in an undrafted uh free agent that's kind of how I'm seeing the linebacker uh, position play out but I think more than likely you're gonna see one of the three guys who they already have in uh, DFF, in uh, Oren Burks or Marcelino McCrary Ball, start um, at that third spot. And I shouldn't even say start because usually that the third linebacker is not starting in this in this defense. So, you know, but 
whoever that guy will be is probably already on the roster. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Um, I don't know that necessarily they'll they'll go for a linebacker early. I think, you know, a lot of what we've been saying in a lot of our recent conversations and even today is that the core is there, right, for this team on both sides of the ball. Um, for the purpose of this conversation, speaking about linebacker and defense and such, it could be a potential opportunity to where, you know, the, the board just falls to them and someone mm -hmm. that's a, you know, a, a highly coveted linebacker um, happens to be available. Maybe they do go get that guy because you have an opportunity to potentially, um, what's it called, like reset the value of that position, right? If you can get a rookie that, you know, is playing equally as well as, you know, someone else that's older, that's going to be more expensive. I shouldn't say older, but more, but vet that's more expensive than maybe, you know, that's an opportunity to kind of like, you know, bump someone out of their position or something like that. So I think it's kind of a complicated answer, um, more so like what you said, it could happen early, um, but I can also see it happening later in the later rounds or undrafted. It, but given, again, given the way that the roster is constructed um, right now, uh, I can see them alive, just letting the board kind of come to them. Yep. And I see Brandon here asking about Feliciano joined a little late. We talked about him at the start of the show, but he's wondering, can he be our backup center basically? And as you pointed out, Feliciano has played so many positions. He's the backup, everything <laughs> except for right tackle, I think is the only one actually that he hasn't um, really played. So um, Don't sleep but, on Jason Poe. People can't forget <laughs> about my man, Jason Poe. I want to see what oh he's looking God. like out there. Yeah, I, I know. It's so funny. Anytime that there's like a post about uh, center, like I think some people were even upset that they brought back Brendel because they're like, what about Jason Poe? Literally, like if you look at the comments section of just like anything having to do with center, Jason Poe, what about Jason Poe? I want to see Jason. Like, I'm also excited for Jason Poe, but let's not let's not get yeah. carried away. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, I don't, no, I agree. No. And then um, and more so more sort of from like a backup standpoint. I'm glad that they yeah. brought back Brendel. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I know I know uh Shanahan covets that center position. We've seen it with the free agents that he's um acquired, we've seen it with um, you know, the contracts that, that have been given to, to the centers as well and such, um, in his time of being in San Francisco. So I think it makes sense. Um, I mean, shoot, man, uh, Brendel was a, a Pro Bowl alternate last year. So he wasn't, you know, he didn't have that bad of a year, you know, compared to his peers, you know, relative to his peers, I should say. So yeah. I'm all about that. It was his first year, of course, being, you know, a full-time starter. Um, right. And I just hope that, you know, I, I don't, all you can do is just get stronger and get better, um, similar to uh, Burford, as we kind of were speaking about earlier. So I'm feeling really good. Really, I'm feeling better. I'm feeling better about the interior right part of the uh, offensive line. We will see how things shake out with um, right tackle. But, you know, as we had conversations, I think going into the season last year, I was kind of shaky on the offensive line and um, the team. They, they, you know, they they settled all my concerns that I had, you know, in that regard. So I trust that they're going to um, figure it out as to what's best for the right tackle position as well. Yeah, and the right tackle position is important, you know, <laughs> like yeah. it is it is really important. And that's why I increasingly <laughs> think that they're going to probably trade up for one, because I think you just you need a day one starter. From yeah. what I've seen there, it doesn't look like they're wanting to bring in a free agent to start, maybe compete, maybe, right. but. Um, I, I don't think that that's really what they're envisioning. I think they want to draft one because if you, you have to pay if, for them, yeah. If right tackle isn't the first thing that you're getting in free agency, then that tells me 
you're probably not looking for your starter in free agency. Because yeah. um, looking at who's available, there there aren't that many out there that are available right now that can start and you'd be happy with them starting, right? You don't want that much of a drop-off between Mike McGlinchey and whoever comes next, if any drop-off at all, right? So, yeah, I, I think they draft someone. There's there's some great options. There's going to be some great options out there. I mean, what, it was Syracuse Pro Day today. Uh, Matthew Bergeron, I, I do like him. Uh, the, I believe the 49ers were at that Pro Day Um keeping tabs on the uh, draft sheet. They they were there. I believe all 32 teams were there, though. So, um, But I know Blake Freeland, he's a guy that, uh, you know, Brad is always talking about. So I know when Brad gets excited about an offensive lineman, it's because he looks good. So um, keep an eye on those guys. I mean, I think those guys would fit what the 49ers want to do. And the 49ers, it seems like they're poised to move up in the draft. Ferguson says, don't sleep on Burford at right tackle. He played his junior and senior year at UTSA at tackle, both left and right. It, it's possible. It's certainly possible. I mean, I wouldn't rule it out, but I, I think just based on, I don't know. I, I don't know if they want to move Burford. I, I feel like he did so well that, you know, at left guard that they're just going to keep him there. Um, so well, what do you think? Yeah, I don't disagree. And I do remember um, uh, my brother went to UTSA, actually. So he was pretty hyped when uh, Burford came to the Niners last year, um, this this past season, I should say. Um, so uh, I knew he had that kind of I'm not sure if it was so much versatility, I think. Well, there, the versatility is there because he has the experience. But my understanding is when he came to the team that that was the plan for the um for the offensive line was for him to go to guard. And I don't think he was ever really drafted with the idea of uh, playing right tackle. Doesn't mean to say that, you know, um, they did that to get his feet wet um, and to, you know, get a get a feel for the game at this next level and then maybe kick him out to right tackle. But as you know, when those things happen, you're creating holes at multiple positions. Right. So, you know, if he was to go to guard or tackle, then who, we, who do we have at guard? Um, and, you know, so it's just I think I think we'll probably get a better indication as uh, as training camp goes on. I mean, as we get into train OTAs and then training camp. I think that will provide a clearer picture. I don't completely disagree with um, Matt saying um, Ferguson here, um, but basically uh, I think that he's pretty – I think he's probably, uh, you know, penciled in at least for guard for right now. But we also know, right, in the event of injury or something like that or, you know, sickness or whatever, you know what I'm saying, like, you know, he has that experience and could kick out there. Um, but we'll just see. We'll see. I think another thing I wanted to mention too when you were speaking and setting those stuff was – you know, another date that I'm really always interested to is June 1st, right? I'm always curious mm. as to, yeah. you know, like the surprise cuts and post June 1st cuts and all that kind of other kind of stuff due to, um, you know, salary cap or the, because it's the new league year and all of that. So, um, yeah, if Good the point. Niners, if the Niners find a way to get some, you know, I mean, because there's even, you know, edge rushers that are still floating around out there's there. There's so right? many. And, yeah. And as the as time goes on, as we already know, I mean, their their market, you know, they're you know what they're asking price is probably going to go down. They're going to want to play somewhere. And I, I know I'm biased and I say this all the time. I, I realize I'm biased, but I think that uh, San Francisco is an attractive place um, team to play. I know I know players have their comments about the taxes and all that stuff. And I understand that part. But I'm saying as far as like the team, how it's constructed, the culture, the winning culture, you know, the deep playoff runs um, as a mm-hmm. play. 
it'll be interesting to see, you know, um, you know, uh, moving forward, like, you know, who else is still out there who wants to come our way. Yeah. I mean, even Hargrave mentioned that, you know, he wanted to go to the 49ers because of, you know, he's heard great things about them and obviously they're going to be in contention for something, right. You know, unless things go really awry. Um, but like, can I say something real quick? Oh, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I, I was going to yeah. go back to offensive line. So please, <laughs> please no, say what I'll, you were going to say. <laughs> yeah. Real quick. I make a comment about Hargrave and I, this kind of yeah. flew under the radar. I didn't really see, you know, um, your other uh, pod um, podcasters or even beat writers m- mentioning this or whatever. Hargrave in his introductory press conference was talking about how the Philadelphia Eagles defensive line, like studied the um, 49ers yeah. defensive line, how they watch tape on them and stuff. I saw that. All that mess and crap and stuff I still see from like Eagles fans and all this other stuff. Like, listen, as dominant as your defensive line was, your defensive, you know, line coach, defensive coordinator, whoever, head coach, someone encouraged them and told them they needed to watch tape on our boys, you know, about, um, and what Hargrave said, his exact words were, you know, you know, getting upfield, you know, you know, playing on fire, that kind of stuff. So, hey, I'm just saying, you know what I mean? If, if we were being used as a model as to how they should play, you know, step back a little bit as it relates to, you know, how great you all are, so. <laughs> yeah. I just yeah, wanted no, to decide, I, I had to put that out there because no, it, it speaks volumes to the 49ers defensive line, Chris Kosarik, how respected they are. You know what I mean? So I know yeah. there's always trash talking in football, but at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know, I think respect they're the standard. Uh, they're the standard. Respect is given where it's due, honestly. And and the 49ers definitely in that conversation. Now, Chris, I think we've covered, you know, most of the uh, free agency news, at least since the last time that that we spoke. Now, I'm kind of I'm curious now about your uh, cruise. You were at the 49 oh, yeah, yeah, cruise. Yeah. We didn't get a chance to talk about it last oh, week because yeah, no it problem. was just such a crazy free agency time. But I'm still very curious as to how that went for you. So first, tell us like what the 49ers cruise was, because I didn't know what it was before you mentioned it to yeah. me and, and how that experience go for you. Yeah, so I'll tell you real quick. So. Emily, my fiance, Emily and I bought um, the tickets for the cruise and thanks. It was like Thanksgiving of 21 and it was going to be sailing. No, I'm sorry. It was Thanksgiving of 20 and it was going to be sailing mm-hmm. in March of 2022. Uh, but then because of COVID and stuff, they pushed it back. So it was a regular cruise. It was a Royal Caribbean cruise. It was originally going to be leaving out of Tampa. But then when they pushed it back, it, it, it left out of Fort Lauderdale. And um, but on the cruise was, you know, 49er players, um, legends, um, current players. So actually, I have it actually pulled up right here. So Jesse Sopolo was on there, Tim Collier, Dennis Brown. Um, some of y'all may listen to Dennis Brown's um, podcast um, uh, that he does with, uh, I think, Matt Barrows and David Lombardi. Uh, Steve Wallace, Doug Dubose, Ian Williams was on there, Bubba Paris. Um, and then the current players were Ray Ray McLeod and Eric Armstead. So it was awesome. I mean, we had, there was like, you know, beach parties, karaoke, uh, they had autograph sessions. I mean, some people, you know, I'm, I'm Chris J 1914 on Instagram and on Twitter, I put all the pictures up on there and stuff. And my brother and his girl, they won like the cornhole uh, tournament and stuff. And it was the coolest part of the the, the event though, for real stuff was just vibing, you know what I'm saying? Like being at the pool and just like kicking it with Ray Ray and he's on his phone and we're having drinks and we're like talking and stuff or whatever, or Eric Armstead, you know, in the gym, 
um, just, you know, hanging out with him and just, of it's course just, just he's random. In the gym. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. He actually, some people actually got upset because he actually left the beach party to go work out and then he came back. I'm like, Hey, listen, man, do you want him to be in the gym or do you not want him to be in the gym? So stop, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. But, um, but no, that was, that was really, it was a really cool experience. Cause it's one of those circumstances where you, uh, may not have a, another opportunity to kind of, um, you know, uh, interact with those players like that. But yeah, listen, anyone who's hearing this, you know what I'm saying on your, on your channel or on your, um, uh, on Spotify or any, wherever they get the podcasts and stuff, faithfulcruise.com. They do it every year. Um, check out the website. Um, and then you can follow them on like, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, there are about 300 Niner fans are on the boat. So, um, yeah, it was cool. So it was, it was a really good time. Is the entire cruise just for this, or is it kind of like you know, along with other people? Yeah, who... yeah. So it's a it's a regular cruise. Just the Niner stuff happened to be on that cruise. You see what gotcha. I'm saying? Okay. So you still had your regular people coming around, and like people were all like, you know, they were seeing us on our Niner stuff. So just regular people didn't know who were players and who weren't players and stuff. Mm-hmm. So people were asking me, I'm like, no, oh, man, I'm not, I'm not on the team. I'm, I'm, I'm not the <laughs> but like, um, you know, people asking those questions and stuff, but yeah, it's so we kind of like, we're just part of the regular cruise that was playing. So it went to the Bahamas. So um, left out of Fort Lauderdale, it was five days. I left out of Fort Lauderdale, made two stops in the Bahamas and um, the players were cool. Like in the past, like Jerry Rice has been on it. Ricky Waters has been on it. Um, just different, you know, just other different legends and stuff. Ian Williams has done it before. Um, mm-hmm. John Taylor's been on it. So from year to year, you never know. I was, I was kind of upset because like, um, or just bummed out, I should say, not really upset, but uh, Fred Warner was supposed to be on. So Fred Warner, uh, Frank right. Gore, and um, Joe Staley were going to be on, but last minute their schedules changed oh, so they couldn't make it. Frank, Frank, Frank actually, after he got in his little, you know, I almost said off field, but it was, he's been off the field for a while, but he got into his little, like, I guess, you know, personal issue or whatever. That's when he kind of got dropped from the lineup. But, um, but yeah, maybe Frank or I'm sorry, maybe uh, Joe and uh, Fred will do it next year, but yeah, you got to check it out. I, I didn't know about it. And so I literally just saw, we saw like a, an Instagram ad about it. I'm like, is this real? And then checked it out. And I'm like, we got our tickets like right away. So yeah, I'm like, you never know with those Instagram ads, but I'm, no, <laughs> I'm glad real. it was, I'm glad it was legit. legit. I'm glad you yeah. had a good time. <laughs> I mean, when you, when you're chopping it up with the players, like, did you yeah. ask it? Cause like, I think the free agency had started like, while yep. you guys were on the cruise. So did you guys like ask, like, for example, Eric Armstead, like what you think about this Hargrave signing? So, so actually Hargrave hadn't gotten signed yet. But okay. like, um, but for, uh, but at dinner one night, because their tables were right close to where we were in the dining room, and Eric and Ray Ray were talking, and they were basically just having a conversation about about Debo, right? About and they, I, I have never. It's so weird just hearing this, like in this kind of like you know setting. But he basically was talking about how difficult it would be for Debo to replicate his um twenty 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 one season twenty twenty one season. Mm-hmm. So they were like, you know, Debo's probably gonna have a year like that ever again, so on and so forth. And I'm like. I'm like, wow, it's crazy hearing them say this because we we just regular people think that. Right. right. And um, for him to you know, be talking about that as well. And they were talking about like the quarterback stuff. Right. Um, giving their props to Jimmy, talking about the player experience. You know what I mean? Um, uh, one question that Eric was asked at, on like a, on a panel discussion that he and Ray Ray did was who's a player that didn't show up in practice that like. Um, shows up during games and the person that Eric identified was Juwan Jennings. He was like, man, he was actually laughing. I've heard stuff. that he was, before. 
<laughs> yeah, he was. He literally said this stuff. He was like, he was like, Juwan Jennings can't catch a cold in practice, but in the game, he's like the man. And we were all like, oh man, like he's he's going after this guy. It's but like, so yeah, true. It's so yeah, true. Then, I remember at training camp that was like he kept was dropping balls. But like, yeah. I think even Kyle Shanahan has said like, yeah, he turns it on. That's that's he what all, he does. He, he talked about Debo too, though. He said Debo. He didn't say anything in respect to like how Debo wasn't didn't show up in practice. But what he said is he's Debo's the type of player that the the the, the big difference, the stark difference between practice Debo and like game Debo is unlike anything he's ever seen before. This is Eric Armstead talking about basically when the pads go on, Debo's a completely different player. But Ray 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 reference. He didn't reference um, a Niners player when he answered this question, but he was talking about um, Ben Roethlisberger. He said in, in, in practice that Ben didn't practice well, but during games back when Ben was on, um, yeah. it, you know, it was completely different than when he was practicing and stuff. So, but like, yeah, it was, a, it was an awesome, awesome experience. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I'm going to have to check that out. In, in, oh, in the for future. sure. Cause on top of like getting to meet some former 49ers players or, and current, like yeah. you, you get a vacation out of it too. Oh, for so sure. it sounds doubt. like, it sounds yeah, it pretty awesome. awesome. So what's the website again for anyone who's who's wondering? Yeah, faithfulcruise.com. Faithfulcruise.com. Faithful yep. Go on All there right. and check it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So next year we'll have to we'll have to check go that deep. out. I'll go on, yeah. on vacation together. Um yeah. but look, thank you guys for tuning in today. This is this has been fun talking about the cruise, talking about 49ers free agency. We'll see what's on the docket for next week and, and see what other depth signings the 49ers have made. Um, but Chris, thanks again for coming on on a Monday as always. Oh, of course. I appreciate you, Steph. Absolutely. Appreciate it. All you guys that tuned in, make sure you guys like this video. Make sure you guys subscribe to the channel if you have not yet. If you have not checked out my interview with Stefania Bell, make sure you guys check that out because she had amazing answers as to Brock Purdy's surgery, yes. his timeline. We talked about Trey Lance. So go and find that on my channel. It's, it should only be a few videos down. Make sure you check that out. But for now, have a good you rest of people, your Monday. You got to get people to vote for you too, Steph. Oh, dude, no, I already got eliminated in that. Oh, you did? Yeah, oh, I, I went didn't notice it. So for context, for, the, for, <laughs> for those of you not aware, there was uh, Rob, uh, Gold Standard Network. He created a bracket of 49ers content creators, and I was on there. I had a tough draw, man. I, I had to go up against Jay, Jason Aponte. And, uh, you know, he's my coach. That's co-host right. Stan said he did that on purpose. He put the post yeah, together. He, he yeah, put, he put anyone who did a podcast together against That's each right. other. So I, you know, I went up against Jay. And, uh, you know, it, it was cool, though. You know, losing against Jay, I, I go down honorably. Uh, yeah. You know, that's my co-host. Big love for him. He actually up. just passed a million YouTube yeah. views. That's huge for my guy. So, um, yeah, I mean – there, there's no one I would rather lose to than than Jay, so that that's totally okay with me. <laughs> no doubt. But uh, no if doubt. you guys haven't voted, I mean, vote vote in that bracket. It, I believe it's on Gold Standard Network uh, on Twitter. So just for fun, you know, it it. Yeah. I think uh, the winner gets a small trophy at the end. <laughs> <laughs> set a set of steak knives. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So yeah, that's that's pretty much it. But uh. Guys, have a good rest of your Monday evening. I'll be back tomorrow with a uh, prospect interview, so make sure you guys tune into that as well. Peace, everyone.